All thanks and praise is due to Allah. We seek Allah's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in Allah from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever Allah guides will never be led astray, and whoever Allah leads astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but Allah, alone, without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and messenger. You who believe, be mindful of God, as is his due, and make sure you devote yourselves to him, to your dying moment. People, be mindful of your God who created you from a single soul and from it created its mate. And from the pair of them spread countless men and women far and wide. Be mindful of God in whose name you make request of one another. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of God, ever merciful, full of compassion, dear sisters. We gather here today to celebrate the establishment of this beautiful, absolutely beautiful gathering of women who have come here for the sole purpose of worshiping and remembering Allah. I have attended many Jomas, but only one given by women, our Khatiba Adina Lekovich, last month. I have attended many Jomas around the world over um, the past couple of years, but only a handful of these khutbas actually spoke to my heart and stirred me to change in my life something in my life and want to improve myself after leaving the prayers to make a change. The burden to give a khutbah is heavy. I didn't realize this when I volunteered, actually. <laughs> and whatever I say here, I say to you as much as I say to myself. I don't stand here as someone who has all of the answers or who claims to have perfected myself, but rather, we're all in this journey together to draw closer to our beloved creator, Allah. So today, in my khutbah, I would like to talk about several things. The most important being tazkiyyatun nafs, or purifying the soul, so that we can help others by helping ourselves. The other thing I'd like to address today is to start the conversation on how we can build a more pluralistic ummah, Muslim ummah, and society in general in America, and open up our hearts 
to the beauty of our community and its differences. But before that, before I get into the content, I would like to reflect upon the way we start everything in our lives. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of God, ever merciful, full of compassion. Although as Muslims, we say the Bismillah frequently throughout our days, we don't always stop to pause and contemplate the deeper meaning of this very simple prayer. Before we start any action, it is recommended we say this prayer. In this way, we start our lives with the intention of doing it for the sake only of Allah. Interestingly enough, we call on the mercy and compassion of Allah to guide us in our actions. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Both of these words are related to the word Rahim. Such a beautiful word even in how it sounds. One of the meanings for this word is womb, which is the source of life. A womb can nurture and sustain a tiny human being for nearly a year and allow for a few cells to develop into a fetus and finally into the miracle that is a human being. According to Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, a 14th century theologian, the term Rahman reflects the abounding grace inherent in the concept of God's being. Whereas Rahim expresses the manifestation of that grace in and its effect upon God's creation. The source of all life is the divine mercy and it's also a very feminine aspect of Allah. Different forms of words deriving from the root letter Rahamim, R-H-M, appear in the Quran 563 times, which shows the importance of these qualities of God. God's grace and mercy pours over us and covers us, and it is this quality that we call upon more than any of his other 97 names. Thus, in this gathering of women from diverse backgrounds who have come here to pray together and remember Allah, I find especially relevant to first reflect on a feminine quality of God. This mosque is the beginning of a movement where women can support and educate each other in the greater jihad, the struggle of the soul, the, as well as the struggle for social justice and equality. But before we can even work for others and help our community, let's make sure we're helping ourselves. As Allah says in the Quran, God does not change the condition of a people unless they change what is in themselves. Often, much too often, we fall into the endless cycle of improving and then neglecting ourselves and unable, and we're unable to lift ourselves up. We live our lives like robots, getting up each morning to go to school, work, or attend other tasks. And, forget, and we forget to stop and remind ourselves of the reason for our existence, which is surely not to just make a living, pay our bills, enjoy life, 
and make sure to sleep and eat enough, although we also have to do that. Our purpose on earth is to worship God. As God says in the Quran, I created jinn and mankind only to worship me. This verse offers us the meaning of life, if you read it closely, and clear, clearly describes our reason for living. But how many times do we stop and think, why are we really here? What are we really doing with our lives? What is the higher purpose in life that we should strive for? What I suggest, and this is merely a suggestion, is that we engage in intense muhasabat al-nafs, or accounting of the self, and work on purifying our souls to better engage with the Muslim and greater American community. In the Quran, Allah describes how humans are created with great potential by the soul and how he formed it and how it is imbued with moral failings as well as with consciousness of God. The one who purifies his or her soul succeeds and the one who corrupts it fails. According to this ayah, we are created with the potential to change the world in absolutely amazing ways. But we can also bring ruin upon ourselves and others. The key to tapping into the creative and positive forces of our soul is by purifying it from moral failing and filling it with taqwa, or God consciousness. Taqwa is frequently mentioned in the Quran and by Muslim scholars. But what does it actually mean? How do we achieve taqwa? For me personally, it means trying with every breath and every step to make sure I am God conscious. It means that I pray as if God sees me and to live as if I were a reflection of the divine. As the Quran reminds us about the divine proximity, we are closer to humans than their jugular vein. Just think about that for a little bit. Allah is within us. He is not something beyond in the heavens. He is closer to us than any human being, than anything else in the world. He's everywhere within us, around us, surrounding us with God's mercy. But we're too busy with our meetings and activities and work to open up our eyes and hearts and to see the divine overflowing and infinite mercy that surrounds us. Our greatest jihad, as the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, stated, is the inner struggle with our own self. As an exercise to be more aware of your state, what I suggest is start with, to start with is take a few minutes every day be before you leave your house in the morning or right before you go to sleep at night, take account of yourself. This will help you be more aware of certain things you do that might hurt others. For example, in my case, 
I'll be very honest here, I'm very aware that my tongue is my true enemy. And many, many of you maybe um, can sympathize. Taking account of my conversations over the day with people helps me to stop myself from saying things before regretting it in future context. If I can trace which words I said that hurt others based on the reactions they had, then I can try to be more intentional and mindful about future interactions with them and prevent possible harm I could cause in the future. During this brief period you set aside for this activity, do an accounting of yourself for the day before. What did you do that was good? And it gave joy to someone or made someone smile, but also what did you do that might have hurt someone else? What did your tongue say that might have spread love? What did your tongue say that might have spread hate and caused upset? You can do this in your head or write down a list of things from each day. Each day, you can vow to lessen the number of harmful actions and speech, and especially avoid repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Combine this daily ritual with more dhikr, or remembrance of Allah. You will be on your way to success, both in this world and the next one, insha'Allah. I say what I have said, and I ask God to forgive us for any mistakes. Alhamdulillah, all praise is to Allah. In my job as a professor of religion at a church-affiliated university in Thousand Oaks, I like to start my classes by discussing the difference between tolerance, diversity, and pluralism. Now pay attention to these words. Many people use these terms interchangeably. Diversity, tolerance, we need all of that. It's all good. But when we closely examine their meanings, we will discover that they mean very distinct things from one another. In the first week of my classes, we read a short article by Diana Eck from Harvard. According to Eck, a tolerant society is one where people of various backgrounds might live side by side, but do not engage with one another. A diverse society, like America, is a great thing, but without engaging with and forming relationships with people from diverse backgrounds, this too can prove futile. Eck proposes that pluralism is the best and perhaps only option. In pluralism, in a pluralistic society, everyone is welcome at the table, and there is active and real engagement across differences. This is the best, but certainly the most challenging option, although it leads to the greatest rewards and most successful society. I know that many of us were drawn to the women's mosque because while the Muslim community is diverse and women are usually tolerated in the community, our community is far from being pluralistic. Women and even men from certain backgrounds are not always allowed at or tolerated at 
the table where those who lead the community sit. A truly pluralistic ummah would include the active seeking of understanding across lines of difference and would ensure that everyone's voices are heard despite disagreement. Today I'm in, I am here with you because I heeded Adina's call last month to venture forth, even if I'm not completely prepared for the journey. I see the Women's Mosque as a potential catalyst of, Mus of Muslim pluralism. It could possibly spread out beyond our small gathering. So what I suggest, let's seek out allies through various means, both from within and without the Muslim community. And thankfully, we do have sisters from other religious traditions joining us here at our prayers. The community needs to have more active engagement where disputes are present and not shy away from sensitive issues, as often happens. What I suggest is, well, let's make room for one another, drawing upon the rahmah, the mercy of Allah, to listen and offer a space to anyone who wants to join us. For those who don't want to join us, we can reach out in other ways. Despite our disagreements, let's open ourselves to others to offer a spark of the divine that resides in all of us. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would ever give a khutbah. But I'm here because there's allies, male allies, Christian and Jewish friends, both male and female. I'm here today because of them. A Christian male colleague kindly agreed to cover my Friday morning class. Otherwise, I would never have been able to battle LA traffic to get here. Um, a female Christian colleague who was ordained in the Methodist tradition gave me a crash course in the art of preaching and writing sermons. She is here today, actually. My husband cheered me on. He encouraged me to go ahead, and he helped me prepare for the khutbah. Even though I have only ever seen one other woman give a khutbah, I have been so inspired by female Christian and Jewish friends who are rabbis and ordained ministers. They have normalized the role of women leaders for me. These outstanding women made me believe that something like a women's mosque is not only possible, but it should be part and parcel of the Muslim community. It's a place where women can educate and uplift, uplift each other in a non-judgmental space. As I began to write this khutbah last week, the news of the br brutal murder of the three beautiful souls in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, crowded my social media accounts. I recently moved to Southern California from Chapel Hill, where I, li where I lived for six years for graduate school. When I lived there, it felt like the safest little bubble where I could move freely, where I was respected for who I was in this little liberal college town in the middle of the South. I know that myself and many Muslims around the, around the country feel that much more unsafe walking down the street now after last week's events, while members of our own Muslim community have been threatened and attacked by others 
in the media and by people, the community is also being pulled apart by its own members. The problem is we can't even begin to defend or represent Islam if our own community is not able to respect the beauty of opposing opinions. As we have seen, loss brings together community. The entire American Muslim community is in mourning for the three winners. We are in mourning for all innocent souls whose lives were cut short around the world by other humans and natural disasters. So how do we respond to perpetrators of hate crimes and those who spread misinformation about us? First, I suggest let's start from a place of love, not anger, although that anger might very well fuel our journey to a place of love. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The Quran offers many verses that can guide us in our dealings with people who bear hostility towards us. And because of who we are, be they Muslim or non-Muslim. In Surah Fusalat, Allah gives us very sound advice. Good and evil cannot be equal. Repel evil with what is better, and your enemy will become as close as an old and valued friend. But only those who are steadfast in patience, only those who are blessed with great righteousness will attain such goodness. So ask yourself, how can we repel evil with what is better? Where can we gain the tools to become steadfast in patience? Let's examine our own selves and ways we interact with and react to others. If we only see ugliness in others, perhaps they are reflecting what is really inside our own hearts. Let's first work on ourselves before we work with others. We can start by first of all, leaving judgments to Allah alone and accept people for who they are and engage them to better understand their perspective and not spend our time thinking about what other people are always doing wrong. What are we doing wrong? Let's reach out to people we wouldn't normally associate with be it from a different religion, a different denomination from within Islam, and others from outside of your immediate circle of friends and family. Perhaps at the end of the um, service, you can introduce yourself to at least one new person and make a friend. Let us strive to purify our souls, not just so we can approach God, but so we can see a reflection of God in our neighbors, in our friends and family, and especially in people whom we disagree with or whom bear hostility towards us. God commands justice, doing good, and generosity towards relatives, and he forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. He teaches you so that you may take heed. Let us pray for the many individuals and communities who are faced with injustice, violence, and discrimination on a daily basis. 
In light of recent tragic events, let us especially keep the following communities and people in our prayers. The Jewish community and others killed and terrorized in Denmark and France. Egyptian Coptic Christians brutally murdered by Daesh in Libya. Kayla Mueller murdered by Daesh in Syria. Dia Barakat, Yusur and Razan Abu Salha in North Carolina. Mustafa Matan in Alberta, Canada. Abdi Samad Sheikh Hussein in Missouri. Survivors of sexual abuse, people in Iraq, Syria, Ukraine, Palestine, inner city America, Nigeria, Myanmar, the Central African Republic, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the countless other victims of senseless violence, abuse, and hate in this world. May Allah spread divine, divine mercy on and bless the souls of the victims and support their friends and family during these difficult times. May Allah forgive the perpetrators of these crimes and offer them a chance to receive God's overflowing compassion and forgiveness in this world and the next. May Allah bring clarity to our vision. May he open up our hearts and minds to the truth of Allah's reality so that we may seek refuge in the infinite and all-encompassing mercy of Allah. So now, I'd like to say a very short phrase in Arabic, which has not traditionally been used in Arabic. I'm not sure if it's ever been used, actually. But I think it's highly appropriate for this congregation of women. Traditionally, in a mosque, you're going to hear, aqimu salat. I'm going to say, waqimna as-salat. In Arabic, this is grammatically the feminine plural imperative that can be translated as rise to prayer, which the khatib says after the sermon. But you'll never ever hear this at a regular mosque, since the congregation will always be addressed in the masculine plural form. So I hope we can start this tradition of using feminine plural in Arabic, and I say, Alhamdulillah.